You're listening to Matt Walsh on demand. Don't miss Pat and Stu. Because the bakers wouldn't bake them a cake. Here's what happened to them. Acute loss of confidence. High blood pressure. Impaired digestion. Loss of appetite. Migraine headaches. Pale and sick at home after work. Resumption of smoking habit. (laughs) Weight gain. Pat and Stu. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome, welcome to the uh, Matt Walsh podcast, Matt Walsh On Demand. All right, I'm, I'm still recovering a little bit. Uh, I, uh, I don't know why I'm telling you this. It's absolutely disgusting, but I, I have to tell somebody. I have to, I'm just, I'm dealing with this thing right now that happened to me. I'm, um, I'm still trying to get over it. I'm coping. I'm trying my best to cope. I just want to tell you this story because this is, uh, this is, this is parenthood. This is what it means. If you're not a parent, just, this is what it means to be a parent. Okay. So a couple of days ago, um, or I guess this was, this was, uh, two nights ago. Um, uh, my, my daughter, my two-year-old daughter, Julia, she was, she started crying and it was about 1130 at night, 12 at night. And she started crying and, uh, and uh, in her room. And so what I did was uh, I went into her room to go check on her. And usually, um, I have the thing where I have my phone and I use my phone to, as a guiding light to come into the room. So I don't have to turn the light on in the room. But I didn't have my phone on me. So I'm walking into the room blind and it's completely dark in, in there. And Julia is sitting up in her crib and I can kind of see the outline of her uh, figure there in the, in, the, uh, in the crib. And I, I go to pick her up and she's crying and I go to pick her up and I can't see anything. And as I pick her up, I guess I have my mouth open because I'm saying something like, oh, what's wrong, Julia? And as I pick her up, she, she, she takes her hand and she sticks her hand in my mouth, which kids do all the time is that they, they like to stick their hands in, in your mouth or in your nose. It's just this weird thing kids do. And usually it's, okay, it's not that big of a deal. But the problem is, the problem is, the reason why she was crying is she had, she had puked in her crib. And this is also something that kids do quite a bit. Is that there's a, and I didn't realize this before I became a parent, is that kids do a lot of vomiting. And sometimes they'll even vomit when they're not sick, and it's very strange. And so she had vomited in her crib and also into her hand. And so as she put her hand in my mouth, it was covered in vomit. And so she stuck her vomit right into my mouth. Okay. And the thing is, I'm holding my daughter at this point, And she's obviously not feeling well. And so in my mind, I am screaming. I am screaming out in agony and terror and revulsion. But I can't just throw her to the side. So I have to keep holding her as I scream in my head and I bring her into my wife and I give her to my wife. And then I just go into the bathroom and I just, and I wanted to cry. I'll be honest with you. I wanted to cry. I'm used to all of the horrible things you have to deal with as a parent. I've been covered in every bodily fluid imaginable. Um, I've been, I have been pooped upon many times. I've been covered in their vomit before, but this is the first time it got in my mouth. Okay. Do you understand that? And I don't care how much you love your kid or how familiar you are with them. There is, that is just it. Nothing makes that. Okay. Nothing makes that. Okay. I will be living with this for the rest of my life. I will remember this. And in case you're wondering, 
she had corned beef for dinner. And if you're wondering what corned beef tastes, well, you know what? We don't even have to get into it. That's all. I just wanted to tell you that so that you have to deal with it as well. All right. Um, moving on. No real transition there. I wanted to talk today about, well, maybe there's a transition because I wanted to talk about courage. And obviously I had to display an immense amount of courage when this situation happened to me. Um, but I want to talk about courage. And I, I wrote something on my Facebook yesterday about, about you know, what is courage, the need for courage in our society. And the reason why this comes up, I mean, it's just a general subject that I think should be discussed. But the reason why it comes up specifically is because ESPN, as I'm sure you heard, uh, gave their courage award to Bruce Jenner, who is the man, uh, is the cross-dressing man that everyone's been making quite a big deal about these last few months. Now, here's the thing. I've never expected much out of ESPN, okay? I turned to ESPN, or I used to anyway, for news about sports. That's all. It's pretty simple. In the world of athletics, various men are out on various fields attempting to put various types of balls into nets or across goal lines or over fences or whatever. And ESPN's job is to tell me about the fate of those men and their balls. Um, Which group of men got the most balls into the most nets and across the most lines and over the most fences? That's that's what I want to know. That's why I, I used to watch ESPN. That was their job. It's not the most sacred duty or the most serious topic, but not everything has to be, right? But ESPN, you know, they, they can't just leave it at that, can they? They want to be bigger uh, than, than that. They want to be bigger than those men and their balls. They, 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 they want to be more important than sports. They want to be relevant in the culture. They want to be socially hip. They want to keep up with the trends. They, they, so so, so they, they started doing things. Um, like when, a, when an obscure aging third-string NBA player came out uh, a, a couple of years ago and announced that he liked to sleep with men, uh, Jason Collins, if you, I think was his name, they gave it wall-to-wall coverage. They treated it like, like the most momentous event in sports since, since, um, since you know, Michael Jordan was abducted by aliens. And, and when a gay football player was selected in the seventh round of the NFL draft, they celebrated it like Jackie Robinson had just, just broken the color barrier all over again. Um, I mean, literally, that's what they claimed. It was the exact, that, that's what they said many times on ESPN, that it was pretty much the same thing. And I let all that slide. I'm so accustomed to watching sycophantic loudmouths in the media worship at the altar of gay that I just sort of, I just sort of gave it a pass. They're a slave to ratings, after all, and uh, these kinds of narratives attract viewers. And they, they did certainly manage to at least temporarily expl- expand their audience to people who, who don't understand sports in the slightest or don't care about it, which appears to be the general marketing strategy and goal of ESPN and the NFL I've noticed recently. Um, their, their goal is, let's get people to watch us who don't care about us. And that's one of the reasons why, if you're watching the Super Bowl, you know, they'll have um, Katy Perry or something doing the halftime show. It's the core, the audience, the football audience could, couldn't care less. Um, but that's what they're doing. They, they, want, they want to be attractive to people who don't care about their product. Um, and I know this is especially the case because back when Michael Sam 
was the hot topic. I got into many heated debates with gay activists who insisted that Michael Sam was one of the best defensive talents in the draft last year. <laughs> you know, and, and that, that was right before he rode the bench, uh, then got cut from two teams and ended up playing in ended up playing in Canada or Siberia or someplace. And I think recently he was playing in Siberia and uh, recently he left the team because, uh, I don't know, he's being made fun of or something. or you know. Um, but he, he's certainly one of the best football talents we've seen in 10 years. Anyway, I thought it couldn't get worse than that. They allowed two fringe figures in sports um, to use their sex lives as tools to gain unearned respect and credibility. And I thought it couldn't get worse. Um, I, I thought it couldn't get worse than the fact that all of a sudden these carnival barkers uh, sitting behind the desk during Sports Center were reading talking points sent straight from Glad headquarters. And um, it was pathetic enough as it was. But then this thing with Bruce Jenner happened. And Bruce Jenner, as you know, appeared appropriately on the cover of Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair to show off his fancy new, new lingerie and plastic surgery. And uh, as he debuted this new character, the whole country sang his praises and caught up in the wave of adulation, uh, ESPN announced its plans to honor uh, Miss, Mr. Jenner with uh, the Courage Award at this year's ESPYs ceremony. The Courage Award. And then the ESPYs happened on, I think it was Wednesday night. And they presented the award. The Courage Award. Only one person in sports gets the Courage Award, and they decided to give it to Bruce Jenner. Who, by the way, is not only not courageous, but not in sports. So there are two problems with it. The Courage Award. The man who orchestrated an elaborate publicity tour focused entirely on himself and his disordered desire to uh, pretend to be a woman is, in the estimation of ESPN this year's most courageous sports figure. Again, even though he's not even a sports figure. The man who's gone out of his way to parade his personal life in front of cameras and who stands to profit wildly from it is, by their definition, the picture of courage and bravery. Courage. Now, ESPN is just ESPN. They don't get to decide, really, who is actually courageous. And as it turns out, and this is no surprise, but we found out a day after the ESPYs that this was uh, the idea to give the Courage Award to Bruce Jenner was Bruce Jenner's idea, or at least the idea of his PR representatives who called up ESPN and said, hey, you should do this. It would be a great publicity thing. And so they said, yeah, let's do it. But So this is just ESPN, but I think the bigger issue is that um, he was awarded with this, uh, with this honor and many people in our culture, millions in our, in our culture, um, agreed with it. They thought that this is an appropriate thing. You know, he's a very courageous guy. So courageous that he deserved to be honored in front of a national audience. Courageous because he wears makeup and poses for magazine spreads. Courageous because he's been forced to withstand the near uh, universal acclaim and adulation of millions of fans including virtually every prominent media figure, Hollywood celebrity, and the President of the United States of America. So almost everyone in the culture and then all of the most powerful people are all singing his praises. And uh, I know to endure that must, you know, it must be a very harrowing experience. Courageous. Because he gets to revel in money and fame 
while, while legions of worshiping rubes fall to his feet and deify him. Uh, courageous is what they say. But while ESPN stood in line to fawn over a wealthy celebrity because he looks great in a corset, uh, allegedly, there are, there are true stories of courage and inspiration that have been re- relegated to runner-up status. Um, stories about real heroes, people who overcame unimaginable odds, people who, who conquered insurmountable obstacles, became a light of hope for everyone. I mean, these people exist. People like Lauren Hill. She was a 19-year-old college basketball player, died of brain cancer this year. And while dying from this aggressive terminal illness, she chased and finally realized her dream to play for uh, the Mount St. Joseph women's basketball team. And in the process, she helped bring awareness to her illness and and she raised millions for uh, cancer research. Um, and, And this was a woman who stared her own mortality in the face and marched on in spite of it. And she gave a gift of inspiration to the world despite knowing that she would not be around to reap the benefits of her well-deserved fame. And, you know, I really think to even smile, to even be gracious while your life slips away from you is an act of immense courage. But, but to stand before the whole world, to use your misfortune to benefit others, to still pursue your goals and to do it all without complaining, complaining, I mean, while you're dying, that is damn near superhuman. Especially in this world where people bitch and moan about every slight, bellyache about every little pain or discomfort, um, and reach for any excuse life provides them. I think in, in this kind of world, Lauren's story is one of incredible urgency and importance. And uh, it was also entirely selfless. Selfless. Liss. See, she knew she was going to die. There, there would be no reality shows, no book deals, no media tours. There was no money in it for her. No chance to be worshipped and fawned over. She gave everything she could to the world with every last breath she had, and then she died. Yet the fools at ESPN give the award to Bruce Jenner, and many in our culture, uh, you know, endorse that decision. Of course, there's also Noah Galloway. As many on social media pointed out, he's a veteran, lost two limbs serving his country overseas. Um... And I think a lot of people wouldn't have the courage to risk their lives in service to the nation in the first place, but even less would they have the guts to rebound from losing both an arm and a leg. But that's what Noah did, despite missing two appendages, um, ones that many would consider necessary in any sport. Noah went on to become a world-class athlete and dancer. Uh, he, he used this platform to inspire other wounded veterans and amputees, not to mention in an entire country. So courageous, yeah, I, I would think so. And there are other stories as well. There's a story of a Someone named Richie Suarez, who was diagnosed with leukemia, uh, had both hips replaced, and still became a successful college pitcher and plans to enter medical school next year. There's O.J. Bergantz, who's a, a former NFL linebacker, current advisor for the Ravens, and, uh, and I'm a Ravens fan, so I've I heard a lot about him over the years. And he's battled ALS, and he's done so with dignity and grace, and uh, his foundation has raised millions for research. Uh, he also testified against euthanasia recently, which I thought was, was really incredible. And these people are all, all very deserving. I think Lauren Hill should, should have been the winner. But they're all very deserving. They all had courage. And what is courage? Courage is defined as the willingness to do the right thing in the face of adversity. 
Courage is not just uh, doing something dangerous, okay? Because there are many dangerous things that are not the right thing. And sometimes you can be motivated to do a dangerous thing, not out of courage, but out of greed or, uh, you know, lust or, or whatever. I mean, they're, they're a, a bank robber is doing a dangerous thing, but he's certainly not courageous. Um, a, a, a rapist is doing a dangerous thing in the sense that they're endangering, you know, their, their uh, freedom because they, they could easily get arrested. Um, so that's a dangerous thing, but it's also obviously a very evil thing. So uh, we cannot defy, define dangerous as, you know, simply overcoming fear to do something dangerous because then we'd be including bank robbers and, and rapists. Uh, as, as pedophiles as, as, as courageous. And of course, they are not courageous. Courageous is doing the right thing despite your fear. Doing the right thing despite your fear. Mutilating your genitals and, and playing dress up is not the right thing. It's the sick thing, the delusional thing, not the right thing. And I think it's just, it's just an extraordinary shame that courage has become this virtue that is uh, maybe more than all the other virtues so cheapened in our culture because it's the one that we need the most. Um, and yet we, we, we lack the most or we most often fail to understand. And if you want to know, you know, we want more examples as to why we need courage. Uh, there's a story that I relayed on Facebook yesterday uh, that uh, maybe you heard about. But it came out of D.C. a few weeks ago. There was a man who was beaten and stabbed to death in the middle of the day, uh, in the middle of a train, while dozens of other men huddled in corners watching it happen. And the assailant was like five and a half feet, a buck twenty. Okay, so this was like a small guy. And he stabbed somebody to death, beat him to death, stabbed him 40 or 50 times, stomped on him while all these other men on the train just watched. And he could have easily been overpowered by one man, certainly two men, certainly three man, men. But if just one had stepped up, they could have saved this other guy's life. And nobody did. They just sat and watched as a young college student got hacked to death. Nobody tried to help. Nobody. And there's a really good reason why we need courage. But we need courage, I think, for less dramatic ways as well. We need courage in the routine, everyday sense of the word. We need courage uh, to be moral, courage to be honest, upright, courage to lead our families, to stay loyal, to maintain our character, our integrity in, uh, in these cultural times. You know, there are so many things, so many forces pulling us away from what's right, pulling us away from our families, trying to pull us onto the wrong track. And oftentimes the only motivation to resist these forces and to resist the temptations, the only reason is simply that, you know, it's wrong. It's, it's, there's no reward anymore there's no immediate reward for doing the right thing. There, there is rarely anymore an immediate reward for doing the right thing. Whereas, and in, in, in here's the thing, in, in times past, in, in other cultures, uh, it was still difficult. It's always been difficult to do the right thing. But it, it, used to, it, it used to be at least that if you did the right thing, if you were the kind of man or woman who did the right thing, you would have been honored by society at the very least. So you had that motivation as well. 
that you would be revered and, and dignified by, by society. But now you won't be. In fact, you might even be hated by society for doing the right thing. So there is no motivation to do the right thing other than it's the right thing. And to do the right thing for no other reason than simply that it's right in the face of adversity and despite your fears and despite everything else, that takes courage. And that's the kind of courage we need. But instead we get Bruce Jenner. And I think that's the problem. All right, so um, go out and be courageous, everyone. There's my pep talk. That's going to do it for me. I will uh, talk to you next week. Our cruce salus. Godspeed, everybody.